0: Welcome to the Spiritually-Minded Women podcast. If you're a woman who is ready and willing to be a follower of Jesus, you're in the right place. Join me this season as we dive in deep to learn how to embrace your journey on the covenant path with checkpoints instead of checklists. I'm your host, Darla Trendler, and I'm cheering you on. Welcome to your journey. This episode is part of a 10-part series. I have bonus contents for each of the 10 episodes in the series, as well as devotionals that you can access by purchasing my course, 10 Ways to Embrace Your Journey on the Covenant Path. I'll tell you more about how to get the bonus content at the end. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Women podcast. This is Darla, and I am so happy that you're here today. We have a great topic that we're going to be discussing, um, and the word that we're talking about for this episode, episode six, is commune. How can we better commune with our Heavenly Father and be close to the Savior and have two-way conversations with them? Okay, so let's dive in and talk about the word commune. One of my favorite things in the whole world to do is to go to lunch with friends. Recently, I went to lunch with a really good friend, and we had been to lots of lunches and gatherings together in the past with the group, but we had never been to lunch one-on-one. I work out with this friend a few days a week, and we have known each other for many years, but when we went to lunch together with just the two of us, we ended up sitting at the restaurant for close to three hours talking. It was my favorite thing because we were able to go deep. We talked about stuff that mattered to each of us. And our friendship has been even stronger since that little lunch because we were able to connect on a deeper level. I would even go so far to say that my friend and I were doing more than just talking, we were communing together. So, what's the difference between talking and communing? Well, you probably know by now that I love definitions. So I looked up the word commune in the online dictionary, and this is what it said. Commune, to converse or talk together, usually with profound intensity, intimacy, etc. Interchange thoughts or feelings to be in intimate communication or rapport. And I've talked several times um, in previous episodes that I know that the Savior wants to be intimate with us. He wants to be close to us. So communing is a way that we can do that. I think back on the lunch outing with my friend and I feel so grateful that I got to share thoughts and feelings with her in a more personal way. And I loved hearing what she had to say too. I really wish that I could go to lunch one-on-one with you. I would love to share together and hear the things that are close to your heart over a meal. Since we can't really go to lunch, let's imagine that you and I are going to lunch together. So, paint this picture in your mind, we pick a delicious restaurant and we sit down and we order our food. And before our food even arrives, I start telling you about my life. I tell you my problems and the things I'm worried about. I throw in some of the things I'm feeling grateful for into the conversation. And finally, I ask you for some help with some tough questions I'm having. But before you can even get a word in, I tell you goodbye. And mind you, our food hasn't even shown up yet. But I throw my purse over my shoulder and I am out the door, in my car and on with my day before you even have a chance to say anything back to me. So what would be going through your mind as I walk out the door? My guess is you would probably be a little flabbergasted, a little dumbfounded. You maybe would text someone else about what an incredibly weird experience you just had with me during our lunch date. You would most likely not want to go to lunch with me again. You would for sure never want to share anything important or personal with me. There was certainly no communing going on in our lunch date. It was all one-way communication. But let's think of the situation in a little different way. Have you ever had a conversation with God that was a little like our imaginary lunch date? I'll let you think about that for a minute, and I want to tell you about the Apostle Paul when he was in Athens, and he walked around, and he saw that the Athenians were using idols to worship, and Paul started to teach them, but they really did not understand him. So Paul was taken to Mars Hill and asked if they could learn more, because what Paul was telling them was new, and it seemed really strange to them, and this is what Paul said to them. He said, "'You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious.'" For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of our own poets have said. For we are also his offspring." For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. Okay, so that's the end of Paul's words to these Athenians. There was a lot to unpack in that, and it was kind of a long verse. So let me tell you what my interpretation of that scripture was. So Paul is saying to these Athenians, hey, you're worshiping an unknown God. Let me tell you who he is. He's a creator of the world you're living in. He can't be defined by anything you can make with your own hands. And He doesn't have to be unknown to you. You can seek after Him and you will find Him. In fact, He isn't far or hard to reach. He is the Father of your spirit. And like a father, He wants you to know Him. And He wants to know you. You can't know an idol, but you can approach God and interact with Him. And you can know Him. I love Paul's powerful teaching. God is not unknown to you and me. We know who He is. We know we are His beloved daughters. But even though we know this, Paul's counsel to the Athenians is the same for us. We need to seek Him and be willing to find Him. In the Sermon on the Mount, the Savior said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. God, our Father, and Jesus Christ, our brother, are not trying to get away from us. They want to be close and draw us in. Therefore, the Savior continually gives us the invitation to ask, seek, and knock. In Deuteronomy, it says, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. What does it mean to seek with our heart and soul? I think it means to do more than just casually talk to him in routine and rote prayer. I think to seek him and to find him is to commune with him. In Mark 35, we learn what the Savior did to commune, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. The Savior set the example for us. How can you and I make our communication less like our imaginary lunch date and more like communing? I can't fully answer that for you. The whole premise of this podcast is that you are on your own journey. How you commune with God will be unique to you, and you can discover that for yourself. However, I will share some examples and ideas. I invite you to listen to what the Holy Ghost directs you to do in order to commune and truly hear Him. Our imaginary lunch date would have turned out much different if instead of jumping up and running off to the rest of my day, I would have paused and allowed you to share. Like a favorite scripture states, Be still and know that I am God. We can be still after we pray or at other times during our day in order to hear what He has to say to us. Being still doesn't always mean that you are just sitting for a long time, thinking or meditating. It could be that, but it is also might be going about your day with a prayer in your heart and your thoughts centered on Jesus. Being still may also be a desire to hear Him. We can also pray with faith and trust. A change in how we approach prayer may also help us to learn how to commune with God. In a conference talk in October 2019, Elder Todd Budge shared how the Jaredite's journey to the promised land is like our journey in this life. As we have talked about in every episode so far this season, our path is not always smooth. That's why we need to commune with God. Because as we just learned from Paul, he created us and the world around us, and he knows how to help us. In his talk, Elder Budge also shared how the brother of Jared's interactions with Jesus changed the way he prayed. The Lord commanded the brother of Jared to build barges to cross the ocean, and he received some direction from the Lord, and he and his people went to work. But sometime after they started building the barges, the brother of Jared had two concerns. First, the barges were dark, and they needed to be able to see. And second, there was a lack of oxygen, and they needed to be able to breathe. Light and oxygen, right? Like two pretty important things. So he takes his concerns to the Lord in prayer. And at first, the brother of Jared is praying in a questioning way. First, he questions the Lord about the light issue, saying, And behold, O Lord, in them there is no light. O Lord, wilt thou suffer that we shall cross this great water in darkness? And then he questions the Lord about the challenge with being able to breathe in the barges. And also we perish, for in them we cannot breathe, save it is the air which is in them. The brother of Jared is questioning and full of concern and worry, but fortunately he is seeking to commune, so he hears the Savior's reply. The Lord tells him how to fix the lack of oxygen issue, and the brother of Jared follows his instructions. Then the Savior asks the brother of Jared what he thinks the Savior should do to help him with the light issue. In addition, the Lord assures him that he will help him be prepared. There will still be hard things like wind and floods and big waves, but he tells the brother of Jared he will be prepared. Now this is the part of the story that you're probably familiar with. The brother of Jared takes the Lord's question about what he should do to help him prepare and he molten some rocks into white, clear, and transparent stones. The brother of Jared goes back to the Lord and asks him to touch the stones so they will shine. But first, he expresses to the Lord that he knows he might not be worthy, but he also knows that he's been commanded to pray. The brother of Jared remembers what God has done for him in the past and uses those past experiences to build his faith, like we talked about in a previous episode. Basically, the brother of Jared is full of faith and knows the Lord will answer his prayer and use the stones he has crafted to create light for his people in the barges. Elder Budge pointed out in his talk that at this point, the brother of Jared's prayers changed from questions and concerns to expressions of faith and trust. I know, O Lord, that thou hast all power and can do whatsoever thou wilt for the benefit of man. Behold, O Lord, thou canst do this. We know that thou art able to show forth great power, which looks small unto the understanding of men. The brother of Jared changed his approach to prayer. I have thought a lot about the changes the brother of Jared made in his prayers, and I have tried to do the same. Instead of praying and wringing my hands and being full of worry, I have tried to pray with faith. I have remembered past experiences where he has helped me and have expressed my trust that he will help me again. Basically, I have tried to follow the brother of Jared's example and say, I know thou canst do this. I'm sharing an example from my life, as well as examples from an apostle, people in the scriptures, and one of our pioneer sisters in the bonus content for this episode. You can find the bonus podcast content in my course, 10 ways to embrace your journey on the covenant path. In addition to the bonus podcast content, you'll also get the full episode in both video and audio format, as well as devotionals for the 10 episodes in this series that are all about how to embrace your journey on the covenant path. You can find a link to the course in the show notes or go to my website, spirituallymindedwomen.com. Click on courses and look for 10 ways to embrace your journey on the covenant path. Join me next week on the podcast where I will be sharing more thoughts about embracing your journey on the covenant path with checkpoints instead of checklists by talking about comparison. I hope you'll join me in the journey. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, please share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on Apple Podcasts. This actually helps more women find the podcast and embrace their own journey on the covenant path. To get access to the workbook for this season and to find show notes and other resources, head over to spirituallymindedwomen.com. For more inspiration, follow along on Instagram at spirituallymindedwomen. Have a fantastic day. I'm cheering you on in your journey.